again, uh, Lawrence Lewis on the podcast, uh, here to answer one of the most frequently asked questions that I have from clients after they are indicted by a grand jury, uh, if it's a felony or accused, uh, quite possibly if it's a misdemeanor. But before we go to trial, there normally comes a plea offer, and the question that uh, clients often have when I speak to clients is, why is this plea offer so high from the prosecutor? Uh, interestingly enough, I'll tell you exactly what I tell them. Number one, if you're innocent, it doesn't matter what the plea offer is because you shouldn't take it. Uh, you should not be pleading guilty to things that you have not done. Uh, there are a number of reasons for that. Uh, there's the justice in the world. Why would you plead to something you didn't do? Then there's also, if you are in fact uh, not a United States citizen, you're going to face an immigration problem later on down the road when you go to renew your green card or you go to renew um, whatever um, whatever authority you have to be here in this country. Immigration is ultimately going to be a problem. There's your driver's license. If you plead to certain uh, drug offenses uh, which are uh, unrelated to DUI, you may in fact lose your license. Uh, and so I always tell folks, if you did not do it, do not plead guilty. Being innocent, uh, not guilty of the charge that you're accused of, is different from telling your mama that you are innocent. Um, you need to know that you didn't do it, independent of what you're going to tell your mother and your grandmother about uh, what happened on that particular day. Now, if in fact you're guilty, you should know this. You do not get to pick your sentence. That's just the way it works. If you in fact have committed a criminal offense or you've done something you didn't quite know it was a criminal offense, uh, either way, um, but you're, just, you're thinking about uh, trying to resolve the case without having it go to trial, uh, you don't have the right to pick uh, what the sentence is going to be. The prosecutor is going to uh, convey the offer to you and you can always refuse the offer. Uh, and if you're crazy enough, you can always do what is called a blind plea. When the prosecutor makes an offer, be it orally or in writing, of course I prefer written offers, prosecutor makes an offer, whether it's oral or in writing, that's called a plea offer. And if you accept that, that is a negotiated plea offer. Uh, you always have the right to refuse the offer from the prosecutor, and then you can always plead guilty uh, in front of the judge and plead blind in front of the judge and ask the judge for mercy, and then ultimately the judge will sentence you uh, to whatever he or she sees fit in the case. I don't ever, ever recommend a blind plea unless the person that tells me that they want to enter a blind plea can accept the maximum penalty. Uh, you're normally going to make out far better uh, with a negotiated plea with the prosecutor than with a blind plea with the judge. But there are multiple factors that go into the prosecutor determining what the plea offer is going to be. Um, number one, I think, is going to be the gravity of the offense. Uh, seven deadlies here in Georgia, such as armed robbery, aggravated child molestation, murder, uh, even nine, seven deadlies, but very serious offenses like uh, trafficking and drugs, those uh, are going to carry a very, very steep uh, negotiated plea offer, a number of years in prison because of the gravity of the offense. Anytime uh, you have an injured victim, aggravated child molestation, aggravated sodomy, rape, armed robbery, somebody who's been at least emotionally frightened, if not physically beaten, kidnapping, kidnapping with bodily injury, 
anytime you have an injured victim, uh, the plea offer is going to be high. Anytime you have an infirmed victim, a young child or an old person, uh, somebody who ultimately would need to be protected, uh, that plea offer is going to be uh, going up. It's going to be on the high end. So the first thing that determines is gravity of the offense. And so when you start dealing with offenses like uh, a forgery or maybe possession of cocaine, people say, well, why is this offer high and it doesn't even involve a victim? Well, the offer may be high uh, in the case of a forgery or an attempted forgery or, or possession of drugs or even possession of a firearm. Uh, it may be based on the person's criminal history. The prosecutor, in addition to looking at the gravity of the offense charge, the prosecutor looks at a person's criminal history, and both, that's criminal history here in, uh, here is Georgia, but in the state where the offense is committed, and in other states, if they have the, um, you know, criminal history from uh, around the United States of America. Two of the things that uh, particularly aggravate the prosecutor when they look at your prior record is, if you are now charged with an offense that you're already on probation for, if you have a burglary and you're charged with burglary now, you're going to get a higher offer. If you uh, have a prior aggravated assault and you're charged with aggravated assault now, you're going to have a problem. My advice, start committing new crimes. Don't commit the same ones because your offer is going to end up being higher. Uh, the second thing that happens is if, in fact, you have a a number of offenses that have been that you've been arrested for, whether you did it or not, but you have been arrested for a number of offenses, you continue to bond out and you continue to pick up these new charges. Um, I've, I've had this experience where a person is charged with possession with intent to distribute cocaine. They make a bond. They're on the street. They get picked up again two months later. They're charged with possession with intent to distribute marijuana. They make a bond. They get picked up two months later. They're charged with uh, possession with intent to distribute cocaine. Well, know that all of those cases may be combined into one case, but that offer is going to be high because you cannot seem to stay out of jail and you keep getting arrested for the same offenses over and over and over again. And so as far as the prosecutor is concerned, without knowing anything more, you're a drug dealer. I mean, that, that's really the, 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 the most straightforward way to put it. The prosecutor is going to look at your age uh, when the prosecutor constructs an offer. A 50-year-old person accused of burglary is going to uh, generally receive a different offer from a 20-year-old person accused of burglary. Why? Well, uh, once you get past the age of 35 or 40, uh, your criminal uh, your criminal days are sort of behind you. Unless you are the, the rare person that picks up marijuana or cocaine at age uh, 42 and decides, hey, I'm going to start experimenting with drugs now and watch your life take a precipitous decline. And typically, uh, the, the points where people are arrested for criminal offenses, uh, that normally uh, starts to wane after you start talking about 35, 36, 37, as a person reached their 40s. So a person that might be accused of the same offense at 50 that a person is accused of at 20 may ultimately be getting uh, a better plea offer than the 20-year-old. Well, the other reason you say is age, and it is age, but it's also the 50-year-old is going to have a great deal of history where they have been able to prove that they are a productive member of society. A 50-year-old accused of burglary who's served in the military for 10 years, who has a wife and children, who's been at the same job for, for 20 years, that person has a much more 
uh, stable background than a 20 year old who you know, just barely finished uh, high school and is out working and really hasn't established uh, himself or herself. And so age is gonna play a part. Uh, the same way age plays a part, work history is gonna play a part. Uh, for those of you that are under age 18, school is your work. The prosecutor will ask about if you're in school, the prosecutor will ask about grades while you're in school uh, so the prosecutor can get some idea of um, your level of productivity in society. That's how they do school grades within the school. Um, if in fact you're 50 years old and you've been working for 20 years at the same job, that, that bodes well for us negotiating a, a pretty good plea offer. If in fact uh, you are um, 19 years old uh, and you left school at 16 uh, and you have a prior um, a prior uh, less than ounce of marijuana which is not you know a terribly serious charge uh, you've, you've sort of bounced from job to job to job you've never really kept any job for more than, than three months you've had seven jobs in the last uh, two years that's not going to bode well for the plea offer. The prosecutor wants to see you having a stable work history because what the prosecutor wants to know is when they make you a plea offer, you won't end up coming back uh, or having another new case. They want to make sure that if, in fact, they offer you something other than prison, if they offer you straight probation, or if they offer you boot camp, they want to make sure that that, that, that punishment part of it, that, that being incarcerated part of your sentence uh, is enough to sort of wake you up and make sure that you don't end up coming back to uh, to visit the criminal justice system again. Um, level of education is always going to uh, play an important role if in fact uh, you are, let's say, 24. A 24-year-old who is in fact um, a, a graduate student at the state university is uh, may be offered, I suspect will be offered, a better a better plea offer than the 24-year-old who, again, left school at 16, got his or her GED, and has been bouncing from job to job to job, staying here, there, and everywhere. So even though the 24-year-old uh, who has uh, gotten his GED has no prior record, on that, if that 24-year-old is accused of burglary, is facing a plea offer and a 24-year-old is a graduate student is facing a, a burglary, the prosecutor's offer may be substantially different in both of those cases. Now, part of that is, yes, is the, is the prosecutor's bias for folks that are staying in school because the prosecutor can identify with 24-year-olds who are in school because the prosecutor was a 24-year-old more than likely that was in school. Considering the prosecutor is an attorney and has to have a both a uh, college degree and a law school degree, but also the other thing that's ultimately going to impact uh, the, the decision to offer the 24-year-old who is in graduate school a, a substantially better plea offer uh, than the 24-year-old who's not in school is um, what's going to happen in trial. The prosecutor's thinking about that. The 24-year-old in graduate school with no prior record who presents well, speaks well, uh, that person may, in fact, be able to convince 12 people in the community that they are a stable member of the community and, and at a minimum should be given the benefit of the doubt. And the jury might say, hey, this person may have done the, the, the crime, but we're going to give them the benefit of the doubt because they're so productive in society. The 
24-year-old who doesn't have that academic background might not be given the same sort of break that the 24-year-old who's in graduate school might be given. And now we're talking about the jury, but the prosecutor having the, the experience that they have with uh, juries knows that the juries may not view each of them the same, and that may ultimately impact what type of plea offer you're talking about uh, from, the, uh, from the prosecutor. There are a number of myths when it comes to, uh, to plea offers. Um, I think one of the, uh, the most prevalent myths, uh, which is also one of the most humorous to me, is that you have to get three plea offers. Uh, sort of like uh, the three wishes when you rub the, uh, rub the magic lamp and the genie comes out. Uh, the first plea offer, I'm going to refuse that, then they have to give me another plea offer, then I'm going to refuse that, then I'm going to get the third plea offer. Um, you know, I guess it works like that, you know, in some places, and it works that, like that in the jurisdiction that I'm in, but typically I don't get three plea offers. Um, the prosecutor knows that uh, I'm, I'm working, I'm doing what I have to do, and I don't really have the time to be driving back and forth if my client's in custody to talk about the second offer and the third offer. Give me the plea offer that you think will resolve the case. Let me, in fact, give you some additional information that might be able to whittle down a little bit uh, more off of the uh, incarceration time or off of the probation if it's a lengthy probation sentence and let's move forward. If the prosecutor's offering my client 10 years in prison and my client is saying, listen, I didn't do it. Uh, I'm willing to plead even though I didn't do it, but I'm, I'm only willing to do two years. Well, that's not a conversation that I end up uh, having between the two of them. I don't schedule any meetings. We're too far apart. The prosecutor's at 10, my client's at two. That's eight years, uh, and you're not gonna whittle down eight years. So uh, the prosecutor knows, and my clients soon find out that if in fact uh, they claim that they're innocent, they maintain that they're innocent, and the prosecutor wants them to do 10 years in prison, and they can't bond out of jail, I'm gonna file a speedy trial demand. In the jurisdiction that I'm in, they're not particularly fond of speedy trial demands, and uh, oftentimes they threaten that if I file a speedy trial demand, all plea offers will end. Um, but I let my clients know that right up front. If the prosecutor's at 10, they think the case is worth 10. My client, uh, against whom there may be evidence, uh, says that he's not going to take a day over two. Uh, he's innocent. I'm typically going to drop a speedy trial demand. And I'll tell them at the, at, the, at the jail, if they're in jail, I'll tell them in my office if they, if they come and see me in my office, you don't have the right to pick the sentence. So if the prosecutor says 10 and you want to plead blind, which I don't recommend, that's fine. If the prosecutor recommends 10 and you don't like that and you, you don't want to do a day over two, we're probably going to end up trying it. And if we're going to end up trying it, I say let's try it now as opposed to dragging it out for the next uh, two or three years when you're coming back and forth to court and other dramas going on. That's some of the factors that the prosecutor uses in determining uh, what the plea offer will be. Uh, I hope this helpful. Thank you. For more information, please visit lawrencelewispc.com.